Local independent restaurants are a vital part of the Portland community and could really use a hand up. Tell your local representative to support the Restaurants Act. Learn more and get started at saverestaurants.com. This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And Court, as we close another year of Right at the Fork, did you tell me it was six or seven that we're closing? We we're, were closing six, and we're going to seven. I, see, now i got to do my math again, because we started in 2014. I think we're closing our seventh right. year. 14, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, seven. Seven Thank years. You. Yeah, were you counting on your fingers, yeah. too? I was counting on my fingers, yeah. and you can rest assured that when you go to Zupan's, they have better methods of adding up your groceries than we would. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, but, I, but I wanted to say, finishing our seventh year, um, and it's been an interesting, strange year, uh, that I sure, we surely want to thank Zupan's so much for sponsoring the podcast and as in their doing so, they are supporting the restaurant community because they're allowing us to put these stories out. Uh, during the uh, pandemic, when it first started, we had our Right at the Moment podcast when we could talk to some of our restaurateurs about what was going on. So in 2020, when I look back, uh, surely one of the things I'm most grateful for is the fact that we have sponsors that stuck with us and that have been with us for so long. We couldn't do the podcast without Zupan's Market. So um, that said, up front, I wish I could celebrate, and so maybe we can, but I would be celebrating with a lobster dinner for two uh, that you can order at Zupan's dot com and uh enjoy on new year's eve what better to do to finish this year off than with lobster that sounds like a, a perfect way to do that you can again as you mentioned uh, you can order that at zoopans.com while you're there do yourself a favor or if you stop by your local uh zoopans uh which will tell you those locations in a minute uh, I've been seeing these, Chris, and they look really great. A gift idea, maybe for the end of the year, is a great, nice, warm blanket. Uh, locally and ethically made blankets with a cause from Sackcloth and Ashes. Uh, for every blanket purchased, uh, Sackcloth and Ashes donates a blanket to a homeless shelter. So you're going to get these really great, uh, warm, great-looking blankets, and you're also going to be helping our homeless community. That is, uh, well, that's a nice thing right now, especially this year. So um, you can get those at uh, on West Burnside, McAdam, Lake Oswego, and you can order those at zoopans.com as well. All right, it's time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's Right at the Fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. And Court Johnson from Kink.fm and the country as well. Sure, yes. The, the country station. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Court, we complete year seven. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yep. Unbelievable. We didn't even know what a podcast was when we started it. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, and it, what's amazing to me is more people do know what podcasts are, but uh, it, it just continues to grow. I, I, again, this whole idea, you and I seven years ago, I don't think we ever thought we'd be doing this still the way we're doing it. We definitely wouldn't be doing it the way we're doing it now, which is remote, but here we are. 
Right, and I'm on the phone this time. We've been we've been figuring Zoom out and doing that, and we'll we will bring ourselves up to speed. I think a little more professionally as we go. We didn't know this was going to keep going on, and we wouldn't be able to get in the studio. So um, we have I I got a better mic set up, but right now we're doing it on the phone because I just moved and my computer isn't really set up yeah. yet. We're going old school. Uh, I suppose I could have used the laptop, but whatever. So um, this is a year of improvising, and it's a year of changing plans, uh, scuttled plans, and making the best of what you have. So uh, that's what we're doing, and we we have tried on this podcast to make the best of it. We had a few months where we um, talked to a lot of the folks in restaurants who were going through tough, tough times and trying to figure it out. And you know what? Here we are eight months later, and guess what? They're still trying to figure it out with new rules and regulations. Yeah. So uh, the, the Cocktails to Go program was just passed recently. But now, of course, like everything else this year, no one really has all the information to do it properly. So they have to, now that that's been passed, they still have to wait to get it right. So um, that's been the kind of year it is. And we sincerely, who do we thank for this court? (laughs) Oh, well, uh, I don't know who we thank, but I think we should, uh, A, we should thank our listeners for sticking with us over the seven years. So to the, to the listenership of, of Right at the Fork, we should be thankful. And to our great sponsors, Zupans and Ringside Steakhouse, uh, just obviously pillars here in the community uh, for you know for a lot a lot of years, but also they've been with the podcast for a lot of uh, a lot of years as well. I think it's over half the life of the podcast now, which is hard to believe. And without Zupans and Ringside, we sincerely would not be able to bring these stories and these uh, the backstories of some of the key players and not so people who are going to be key players in the uh, in our Portland food world in our changed Portland food world. So um, yes, I sincerely thank. To have so many listeners and and our sponsors uh, very uh, just very gratified in court, I have to thank you because this is not your full time gig, of course, and you've got a full schedule, you've got a family, and to be able to keep up this podcast and a family that's home, so be able to keep up this podcast and really not miss a beat. We've had to change a couple of things. Um, and, and move a few things, and I really appreciate your staying with it and being uh, uh, seven years. It's the second longest relationship I've had in my life. How's that? <laughs> wow, I'm so honored. But I, I'll just say, Chris, it's it's a team effort. It's it's you know it's I think it, it it's taken some sacrifice and just adjustment from both of us. Uh, but it's not a big sacrifice. For on my part, because I sincerely enjoy doing it, and lately it's been simple. I'm doing it from my office at in, at home, so I'm not even making my way into Portland, which I like doing. And you know more than anybody, I can't wait to get back in the studio because I just think I like interviews when you're face to face and the presence is there, and there's a little bit more of a. It feels like a little bit more of a production in a positive way yeah. than just another Zoom another Zoom call. So um, anyway, I look forward to that. But I really, I can't thank you enough. And um, we're doing the best we can. We have a guest today that we must thank 
also who's been with us since the first year on and off to fill us in on his travels and his uh, his discoveries in not only Portland but the world and he's one of the most prolific eaters certainly in Portland that's almost without question uh, but also this Gary Okazaki travels the world in search of of the best food. And this is a guy who will eat, he, he's not here to correct me right now, but four or five dinners in a night just because he's in a city and he's only there for so long. And, um, and you know, loves chefs, so he can name drop better than anybody and has caught me with my pants down a few times asking me about a particular chef that I'm very aware of and I might have known but forgot the name that's just a function of my my age but gary is very in tune and so today we we did a an earlier podcast with him in october many mm-hmm. before that but in october um and he promised to come back because we couldn't fit everything in and so in this episode we talk we actually, we, we didn't know we were going to talk about this then, but he talks about the Portland Monthly uh, Burger Survey. I'm sure there's another name for it, but you can find it out there. And um, the top 20 burgers and what their methodology was, what came out on top, which I'd like to say, but I'm not going to, uh, certainly not going to throw a spoiler out there right now. Um, and some others that should have, he thought, could have been on the list, but might have fallen a little short, too. So, um, but should, you know, have been consistent over the years. So we talk about burgers. We talk about some of his other new discoveries since his last appearance in October. We're going to talk about Toki, which is uh, Peter uh, Cho and his wife's son's new spot in the old Tasty and Alder space and uh you know those folks from Han oak who are very well known so they have a new project going in there and uh just catching up with gary and having a fun conversation and then we talk about uh sports which i asked gary what is something that most people wouldn't know about you and he didn't come up with it at first but he he impressed me with his sports knowledge, uh, probably as much Mets knowledge as I have, and I've been a fan of theirs for fifty plus years. Hmm. So um, so anyway, that's good, and it's it's at the end. And if anybody's interested in hearing all that Gary knows, or not all, some uh, I found that interesting. Anyway, so uh, to have Gary the foodie close out where uh, our two thousand twenty is a treat. As always, to have him on. For me, he's an easy conversation. I know it's always going to be fun and light. And uh, I'm glad we were able to do that. And so we'll look forward to fresh new faces in 2020 as well. Yeah, hopefully faces that we're seeing face-to-face at some point. Yeah, do you think so? Do you think we will? Maybe mid mid year, fingers crossed. It would be nice. Did Court? Did we ever tell the story of the last time we were in the studio and what transpired when I had symptoms of something we didn't know? Well, I think I, I, we might have we might have hinted towards it, but yeah, the the last time you and I were in the studio together, you you did have symptoms, and it was quite literally later that week that we shut down the office. And then um, you you had mentioned the building. 
What's that? Yeah, the, the building shut down, the, the state shut down, um, life shut down. And then I started fielding emails from people within the building who had been aware that you had been in the building um, trying to figure out if you had tested positive for COVID because you had mentioned on Facebook that you weren't feeling so well. Yeah, and it, well, it, I might have had it because it went on. I rarely get sick. And I have, you know, nasal and, and throat stuff and a headache right. for, it was like two or three weeks. I mean, if you look, if, I guess no one would want to do it for that reason, but certainly if anybody goes back and listen to the podcast we recorded in February and early March, it went on for longer than I wanted it to, yeah. at least. So, well, I do know of, um, of, of one thing you could do, Chris, and, and I've recommended this for a few people because, you, you know, you could go and get a blood test with your doctor, but you'd have to kind of make the argument for it. And then if there's any ad- additional, uh, you know, costs associated with that. But one thing you could do is I know Bloodworks Northwest, the local blood bank, they're actually testing yeah. all blood donations right now for the antibodies, and they'll let you know. They're like, hey, you've got the antibodies, so you most likely had you know, the coronavirus, whether you knew it or not. So that's, that's an easy way to do right, it, and they, you're donating blood. That's true. But the only, aside from donating blood, I'm not sure what good that does me, because we don't know yet that if you have it once, you can't get it again. Right. We, we've heard... So I don't know what good it does me just to know that I had it back then or I didn't have it. No, no. It it just might answer that that question because my wife and I had a similar thing where in January we both fell ill and, you know, we had determined it was the flu, but it didn't feel like the normal flu, uh, but just, you know, completely wiped all of us out. And we went in and got our blood tested and came back negative. But then the doctor said, now they're seeing actually – people who have had coronavirus they don't really develop these antibodies so who knows it's all speculation i'm no scientist yeah i'm no doctor yeah no come on dr johnson i've heard of you dr not only that they named a pharmaceutical company after you there's a few of us yeah sure johnson and johnson oh yeah yep so um yeah, but so I'm. I hope you're staying safe because you're back. You're in the office right now. I'm trying to renew my efforts not to be around people. Oh so, yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm in the same boat. And the only reason why I'm in the office is because it's uh, Christmas week and nobody is here. Like I have not seen one person in the uh, uh, four hours so far that I've been here. Four hours? Was yeah. it eight? You've been there since four. Oh yeah. Wow. I'm covering the morning show this week. I was putting up a Christmas tree this morning in our brand new house I just moved into two days ago. Yeah. So I've been up since four, but uh, yeah, I didn't realize you'd been in there for four hours. You sound very fresh. Thank you. Oh, well, well, you know. Middle of the day for you. It it pretty much is. I'm I'm going to go home and take a nap. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. Well, listen. Uh, that's enough of that. Let's get to the let's get to this uh, interview with Gary the Foodie. And uh, again, uh, happy holidays to everybody and the best. Looking forward to 2021, uh, putting 2020 behind us, and the best New Year to everybody and you, Randy, and your family as well. Thanks, Chris. You as well. Right at the Fork is supported by. Zupan's Markets. Whether you're an expert chef or a connoisseur of great cuisine, Zupan's Markets has been the number one destination for the food and wine lovers of Portland and beyond for over 40 years. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego or Zupan's.com. 
Ringside Steakhouse. It's time again to slice into the best steaks and service available in Portland. Seating is now available by reservation only for indoor and outdoor dining at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And check out the newly opened New England-style fish and ship spot with a Northwest personality, Rock Paper Fish, a partnership between the Peterson family and Portland icon Micah Camden in the old Boxer Ramen space on East Burnside for takeout only. And by Portland Food Adventures, Cabin Fever, Book a fantastic culinary vacation in 2021 with podcast host Chris Angeles. Experience the best of Basque Country with Javier Canteras of Urdaneta or Western Sicily with Taste of Italy's Austria Enzyme. Wet your appetite and get more information at portlandfoodadventures.com or contact Red at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more details. Well, Gary, thanks so much for coming back with us after your visit in October to talk about some of the places you've been visiting since the pandemic started. And on that episode, you said you would be back with us in December to give us some new news about um, uh, Peter Peter and Son Cho's new spot. And also, you said you'd fill us in on some of the pastry delicacies that you've been enjoying in Portland since this whole thing began. And also, hopefully we can talk about the Burger Cabal project from Portland Monthly, which is something I've been working on for 11 months, and I've had too many burgers to even count, even though I did That count. long? Holy shit. That's a long time. 11 months. Yes. At what, what, was the concept, what was the index of burgers per month on that, or week? Any any time frame, give us. You just want to let's. You want to just start with this. This is. I mean, it's, it's something that is near and dear to my heart because. Yeah, that's it, that's it, perfectly it, fine. Let's just let people know that you are going to follow through with your promise of showering them with wonderful ideas for pastries uh, yes. later in the podcast. Yep. So just so, yep. as long as everybody knows, it, we're keeping our promise. Yeah, uh, it, it it started in January this past year. Portland Monthly. Uh, specifically, Karen Brooks created a, a burger cabal, a group of people who love burgers. And our goal was to find the best classic, I repeat, classic cheeseburgers in Portland. And it was Bill Oakley, who's a, who was a showrunner on The Simpsons, who's a, fa- a fast food fanatic. He's nationally known by just his fast food. <laughs> How do you get nationally movies? known to be a fast food fanatic? There are a lot of he, people he out is. there. He is. I swear to God, he, major like major companies, major fast food companies send him free stuff from around the United States for him to try. And he's got, I don't know, he's got a lot of followers, like twenty eight thousand, which I you know, it's, it's not millions, but yeah, he's a fast food fast food uh, fanatic. Yeah. Well, just then, to be clear, and it's not that important, but they must send him gift certificates to go in and try things, which is kind of stupid for a guy who's written for. The Simpsons, but they can't be sending him the actual food. I don't know. I think they do. I, I, honest to God, I think they send him like via Federal Express, like food. I think I've seen him like in a heated package. I mean, that's yeah. Insane. Well, yeah, I think so. I'm not. I don't. I'm not gonna swear by this because he does have stories that I look at. I don't look at all his stories. But he has numerous stories where he'll like, get a package and things are in there, and I think food is in there. Wow. Uh, and then there's uh, two of Karen Brooks's friends named Pauline and Drew Lewis. They were part of the Burger Cabal. So yeah, we started in January, 
They're, uh, good, went- they're friends of mine. They come to my events. So they are oh, okay. some pretty avid foodies um, yeah. out there. So that's yeah, we cool started, to hear. We started in January and we were, and we worked January, February, and then guess what? You know, through Mar- through the early part of March, all of a sudden the pandemic hits, and we can't it, it can't go to press. Everything just kind of stops. And then Karen said, "I don't I don't know if this we may never see the light of day. This project may never see the light of day." So I just assumed that was going to be the case. But I still kept on eating burgers. You know, during the pandemic, it was it's something easy to get during right. the pandemic, and everyone seems to have one. So I just kept on eating burgers. Then when I started traveling during the pandemic, I started going, I was still going to eat burgers. And I thought, I don't know why. I just thought, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, that's the way it is. Uh, no problem. But she, she, she resurrected the project in October. And then we ate more burgers and she did a lot of the writing and boom, we have the 20 best classic cheeseburgers in Portland, Oregon, uh, based on the based on the opinions of the burger cabal. And I also I think that's pretty cool that when you were traveling, you were trying burgers for just for uh, right. you know, to compare them. Um, right. So maybe it gave you a different perspective on some of the burgers. And let's be you're probably going to cover this. But the burgers you're talking about are kind of classic California style burgers. They're not thick, you know, rare Pub burgers, let's call them. I don't even know what to call them, but I've. Uh, it took me a chef while. Burgers. To let's, call, let's call them chef burgers. Chef burgers. Yours are chef burgers. Okay, but still, that could mean anything. Um, yeah. But these, just to define it for me, and they're closer to an In-N-Out burger than something that you know I might make at home, which is you know based on. Uh, a half pound, very rare on a bun without a lot of stuff. This is what you would, you know, what you would get with lettuce and tomatoes and whatever accoutrements the chef would decide to put on it. But these are kind of thinner burgers. And I would think that the crispness of them is kind of a factor for you as well, or from what I read in the, in the story, your story, that was it too. So Anyway, well, I just to define it a little bit because, you know, there, think back, what I'm talking about is in comparison was like the old Gruner burger, right? That would not have been that would not part of your survey. Yeah, right, exactly. that, that would not quite. That's why we have the separate list. Hopefully we can do another list called Chef Burger List, which would include these burgers. Canard wouldn't be included because it's a slider. La right. Pigeon's Burger wouldn't be included because it's got some interesting ingredients on it. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. But it's just not in and out. I get the, the three main thing, the three main classic burgers or cheeseburgers that we had in mind were the Shack Burgers from Shake Shack, right. the in and out Burger, and like the McDonald's Big Mac because of that sauce, the secret sauce. And like most of these classic cheeseburgers had quote unquote secret sauces. Right. But okay. the number one... The number one burger in Portland, of which four out of five of us agreed was the number one burger in Portland, is is cooked medium rare and has very doesn't have as many ingredients as other burgers had, and that was the Expatriate Burger from Kyle Webster and Naomi Pomeroy. That was uh-huh. the number one burger, cheese classic cheeseburger in Portland, and it's my number one overall burger because I have my own list that's different than the list that was on. Oh. Of Portland course, Monster. you're not all going to agree. And I've, I have judged food contests before where you have 20 or even more, 40 
it's really hard to try that many things and then say, well, this one is number six and this one is number seven. I mean, really, it's six and one and a half dozen of the other when you get down to those positions, right? It's easier well, to pick the best one and maybe the next best, but after that, it's a little more difficult. You're, you're, exa you're exactly right. I think I'm looking at the overall list. I think the top five or six burgers were kind of separated themselves from the rest of the burgers on the list. And I went and I ate it. I had, I went to 72 different restaurant bars and food carts in Portland, Oregon this wow. year. I repeat 72 this year to try a burger and 88 around the world overall, including Seoul, um, Hong Kong, Nashville, Los Angeles, Miami, um, New Orleans, did I say Nashville, Nashville, Chicago, which Chicago probably is the number one burger city in the country, in my opinion, in my limited opinion. I don't think, you know what, dude, I, I can't, I, I can't agree with you that your opinion is limited. Yes, it's limited to one person, but I don't, who knows as many people who would have had that many burgers all over the world during a pandemic. It does, yeah. you, no one exists. You're one of a kind. And that's why it's wonderful to have you here. Um, and wonderful to know you because folks like me or our listeners, yeah, we'd like to do the work, but you you do it all and we listen and then we get to, we only need to go to four or five of them because of your research. Whereas you, by the way, I need to ask before I forget, have you gained any pandemic pounds? Yes, I have. It's I, I can't go to the gym now. So I, it's just, I, I use the gym as one of the, I walk a lot, which is, it helps. But I, I spend like an hour and a half at the gym every day or six days a week, and I can't do that anymore. Yes, I can. It's depressing. Like, I, I, we can socially distance in the gym, Governor. I've written Governor Brown like six times so far, just about opening gyms. Have you got a response? No, none. And I'm happy for hair salons, barbershops, masseuses, and... <laughs> Uh, and, and, and they're open. Like you can't socially distance. That 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 action is not socially distanceable. Is distance distanceable? But uh, you can you can in the gym, and we did. But regardless, uh, yeah, I've gained I've gained weight. It's very depressing. Like I'm I'm try every day I struggle. Well, how much do you think you've gained? Just because we're talking about eighty-eight burgers. Here. Well, okay, in well, addition okay, to a lot of okay. other stuff, it's not like you well, only ate burgers. Well, again, it's I'm losing muscle and gaining fat, so I've only gained like four pounds, but it's four to five pounds. But it's it's the transition between fat and muscle. Yeah. It's depressing. Again, every to, day I'll, I think about I'll it. Explore that. <laughs> What? I'll have to explore that transition between fat and muscle. I I I I I, I eat so many so much. I've already, I had Queen Amon and banana. I've had so many sweets already. It's already only ten o'clock, and but I've been yeah. up since four a.m. And, and you and we're going to discuss those in a little while. So we're going to go beyond burgers to sweets and some well, other things too. And then some you know, other people have asked me what my overall burger list is. Do you mind if I quickly go over overall my top 10 burger list? And there'll of be course. some that are on there that aren't even mentioned in the article because they're chef burgers. And there's some right. surprises. Why don't and you do that and then go back? Well, you know what? Here's the deal. We don't need – all people need to do is go to Portland Monthly to see that list, right? No, you can we, talk about it, but let's hear your list. Okay. One is expatriate. Two is Gado Gado's Amazing Burger. And you'll never, it's unlikely you'll ever see that again, but I did have it during the pandemic twice. 
It's uh, Chef Burger. I, it had um, chili onion jam. It had uh, roasted garlic mayo. It coconut herb butter. It, it was a fantastic burger that you, it's unlucky you'll ever see again, but hopefully they will put it on the menu at some point in the future. Three is Clyde's. I'll do this quickly. Four is Bark City Bark City Barbecue, Rose City Food Park. Every Wednesday, they have a burger on their menu. That's what they do on Wednesdays, bur- uh, burgers. So Bark City Burgers, four. Derby Kenton, which is on the list, is five. Estes Dame, Patrick McKee, has a really nice chef burger with bacon, egg, and chili aioli. Um, seven is something that you would call a hamburger sandwich. But I do think it's a hamburger, back to Louis Lynch and the d- discussion between whether it's a hamburger or a sandwich. Hamburger mm-hmm. sandwich. It, number seven is Lazy Susan ha- had an Addy Melt. They're only doing takeout no- now, so they can't really do it, the Addy Melt, which is a tribute to pa- Cameron Addy, who passed away during the summer. But it's mm-hmm. basically a patty melt, which I still think is a hamburger, hamburger sandwich. Um, eight is hit the spot. Nine is Fuller's. And ten surprise. Another surprise is Acadia, Seamus uh, Seamus Foreman. Yes. Yeah, is doing a burger on Acadia's menu even now, and um, you can get it delivered. It might be a little soggy when you get it. That's uh, hopefully. I mean, what can you do with delivery? But it's a it's a really nice burger that has tomato relish and bacon chicory jam. So yeah, those are my top ten, and some of those are kind of unique. And uh, I would advise you to, you know, go and have some of these unique burgers around town. And you can even do a burger crawl. They're, they're, you know, some of my favorite burgers are right next to each other. Like you could do Hit the Spot. You could do Walk Over to Clyde's and, mm-hmm. and Bark City. It's a seven-minute walk. It's three of the best burgers in Portland. Um, you could do a Expatriate Urdaneta, which is in my top 15. And you can do Estes Dame, as long as Patrick McKee is still doing his burger. I'm not 100% sure that he is or Ernetta is, but at least in the summer, you could. I, with takeout now and, no, and some outdoor dining, and no, one's really, no one can do indoor dining, I don't know what's available right now, but those are two really good burger crawls to have some of the best burgers in Portland. You'd only have to walk five to seven minutes and have three burgers on your crawl. Okay. Well, you, and you need to do crawls with other people because you right. don't. You don't, but it really helps because you can just take a bite or two of each, and uh, and be able to fit in more than you can get up to five or six if you're sharing with some other people too. So that's cool. And that's what we had to do during early. You know, earlier this year when we did this, we as a group went together and tried. You know, went to four four places during a given crawl. We broke it up to like usually three or four places, and that's that's a good way to do it because then you can all discuss it right then and right. there instead of taking notes and then have not being really able to put it all together. It's easier to do that, so that's cool. I wanted to try the Erda Burger myself and just haven't gotten in there. So um, it's in your top fifteen. Do you have how, how high do you go with your list? Like, can you identify a top thirty? Yeah, I, I just a matter of us. I'm looking at my list right now. Um, I printed out my list and it goes to 20, but I think I ranked the top 30. I think it did go down to 30, but I only printed out up to top 20. So let me ask you this, because I'm always interested in lists and they're subjective, as you said. Oh, very, yeah. 
So, um, but if someone were to go right to number 20, would it uh -huh. be a bit, wouldn't, what, isn't it possible they would enjoy that just as much as they would enjoy the burger that you list as number one or number two? There's only, I grade on a one to hundred sketch, uh, 100, one to a hundred point system. Number 20 is 90 and, um, Expatriates 97. So, and that's the only 97 I have in Portland. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's not that much different than number one, the number 20th burger. And here's the deal, like on the, on the list that Portland Monthly created, we're recommending all 20. Right. And, and it's, it's not like the 20th burger, or actually there's 19 ranked burgers. It's right. not like the 19th ranked burger is terrible. No, we're recommending it. Go, have it. Maybe you'll like it better than we did. Well, that's, Maybe that's you'll break it higher than we did. That's the point I was just making, that it's very yeah. possible if you just pick one that you want to go to, it's not going to be, uh, you know, 20 times less enjoyable than the, right. last, than the number one. You, someone may just really like it. And, you know, food is all uh, based on the moment and the mood. Some days right. you don't feel like a burger. And if you're really feeling like a burger or you haven't eaten a good meal for a while, you know, the... The shittiest Wendy's burger can taste pretty damn good if you really need it. So you know, do you know what? You, I, maybe I mentioned this on my last podcast, but the McDonald's um, quarter pounder deluxe deluxe connotes the fresh meat. the The McDonald's quarter pounder deluxe is excellent. It's like an eighty eight. I don't know if I get it an eighty eight or an eighty nine. So my, my whole life, I've not weekly, but going back before I moved. You know, in my twenties and thirties, I latched onto a quarter pounder with cheese and have enjoyed those ever since. And I've had a few recently, and those are still pretty good. But I have, didn't even know about the deluxe option. It's so, next level. It's, it's yeah. it, the, the, the deluxe puts it at next level. And how much so, more is that at McDonald's than a four? I guess it's like four fifty for a quarter pounder with cheese now. Then it's it must. It's I think it's six dollars and eight cents. At least I had it delivered a few weeks ago to my house. So I think it was $6.08 for the quarter pounder. I don't know if I got cheese. I'm sorry. I, don't, I might have gotten cheese. It's quarter pounder with $6.08 delivered to my house. You know, one of the things, Gary, I really enjoy about you is you have never become uh, a food snob insofar as anything that isn't fresh and local, you won't even consider. There are a lot of people who immediately snub their snub their nose at anything like that. And I've always maintained, you know, in the moment, if you're close by and it's easy, those things have value too. So um, yeah, people, yeah, local people are working at McDonald's, at Domino's, at Kentucky Fried Chicken. The money goes to some corporation, but it does stay locally too with the people who are working there. They deserve a job too. Right. right. And the franchisees are often just local oh, yeah. folks trying to make a yeah. living. You are correct. I didn't, I didn't even think about that because I am going to get Domino's in about three hours. Cause I, I have to have Domino's at least once a month. I swear to God, I love Domino's. How many, it's so fun. how many of your meals are planned hours ahead of time versus what do you do on a whim? Most of my dining when I've been in Portland is on a whim. Uh, it's not necessarily planned. Um, well, sometimes. Well, if I'm going out, obviously I have to plan ahead. Um, well, but, nowadays, yeah, but in the old days, you could well, just. I, I, well, I don't know. Good question. I, I, 
I, I do kind of go on a whim a little bit, but I do think about it a, a day ahead because I already had my lunch. I didn't know what I was going to have for lunch, and I just looked at my pantry and just picked something out of my pantry. So in that respect, as far as going out, I don't know. I think I do probably plan more than you do. Oh, I, absolutely, because so many times I can think something sounds great two days before I'm going to you know, have the opportunity. And then in that moment, it's like, I don't feel like, I don't feel like that right now. I feel like sushi. And so, um, you know, a lot of that is even, even the same at home here. I've noticed I've been eating a lot at home, of course, over the last eight months. And something that at 10 a.m. I was thinking about for lunch at noon doesn't sound as appealing, and I'll go another direction. So I only ask that because I think you do a lot of planning. Um, obviously, when you travel, you know oh, what yeah. every day oh, looks God. like by the hour. I mean, you're... Yeah, yeah. I plan three months in advance, usually for every trip and right and that's a different it, deal than just dining around yeah. where you live so well and it's also because because of the way i travel and eat when i travel you have to because i eat two lunches usually two lunches and two dinners every day so then it, it becomes a geographical question too putting putting restaurants together that are near each other right and right. in the same area um so yeah it's, it's something that takes a lot of time and i've had to cancel too many trips to even think about this year and have had to make reservations and break reservations and cancel reservations so often that it became just, it's just tiring. But I think my next trip is now for a few months and I'm confident that I can go in March. I, I believe by March I can, I can leave Portland, Oregon to go to another state. I can't leave the country. It's unlikely that I'll be able to leave the country until later, late spring, so we'll see. I'm glad you're that optimistic. You know, we have our trips that we canceled with. I don't think we're going to have an Erdinetta burger, but yeah, we canceled our Spain trip twice now. And we have one, the first one I was in the fall and the next one in spring of 2022 and Italy in the fall. So I'm hoping that we're ready to, and our, and our guests are hoping we're ready to travel again. It's if important. It's we need this. We need this. A fall, I'm confident by fall that you'll be able to go to Italy. Yeah, well, it's, more, it's not so much being able to go, and that's that, but it's that people have confidence to go, too. So, because... Oh, there's a pent-up demand. There's so much pent-up demand. It's not even funny. Next year, the economy, probably starting in April, May, somewhere around there, is going to take off because we're all tired. I'm tired. I mean, I traveled more than 99.9% of people out there during the pandemic, but, right. you know, it, it, I, I, I miss it. Like, I'm, I'll be here for months, for a, few mo for, for a few months at least in Portland, Oregon, before I even think about, you know, leaving. Unless, of course, L.A. or San Francisco open up for indoor dining, then I probably will make a trip the next day. And I'll be, right. you know, see you later, maybe February, but I, I doubt I'll be able to leave. Pepper, are you an at-risk person? Pardon? Are you at risk from your age and health standpoint? Are you no, you no, no. If right. I were, I wouldn't have gone to Nashville, Chicago, Los Angeles. You know, where else did I go? Yeah. Well, that's uh, good, and it's also good to know you made it. And you know, we've traveled a little bit this year to Idaho and around Oregon, uh, and it's all been okay. But uh, I just recently made sort with the with the spiking. We made a renewed commitment to just kind of stay put for a little while and play it safe. So, and that's what I decided to do too, because of the spike. Right. 
You just don't, yeah. you just don't know. So, um, and we're hopeful that the, you know, things are changing in January and then with the vaccine, um, it'll all change a little bit, but yeah, I, I agree. There will be pent up demand. There's no doubt about it. I'm just, I'm just hoping that it's sooner rather than later that people feel comfortable enough. There may be demand, but you know, uh, people of all ages need to feel comfortable with getting on a plane and going to a country where they don't want to be stuck in the healthcare system. So, um, yeah, anyway. I, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think by I think by the spring things will be much better, much, much, much better. So that's the good news. And eating a lot of burgers this year, eighty-eight was a lot. I don't know how. I think I'm kind. Of, I don't know how tired I am of burgers. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I don't. Know. I may eat a burger this week, but I don't. I doubt it. But um, I'd like to go on a burger crawl with you if you're into it. I'd like to do something yeah. fun. So sure. if yeah, you we can, can do. Still do it. Let's get a couple of people together and. Uh, and well, yeah, try it, or, obviously, or pick something else that we can do. Um, socially distance outside. Yeah, that's the other part. What I've noticed recently for all those listeners too, like it's just harder because it's rainy. It's cold. We can eat outside, which is nice. Yeah, that's but uh, that not a lot of places. Nice. Pardon? I don't find that nice. I don't like that. Well, it's, it is what it is because I mean I haven't really eaten outside since the governor reopened outside dining on December third. I think um, right. it's 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 hard. I mean, and I'm looking forward to the time when the weather can change. And I th- I th- I think by late winter she'll probably allow indoor dining. I'm guessing hoping but yeah i'm i'm i it's tough because i I haven't really seen anyone right that's not true that's the other thing that's the one good thing you know what it's been a dumpster fire of a year total dumpster fire of a year but i've enjoyed um chefs coming over to my house during the summer and cooking some of the best things i've eaten this year were were from like gregory gorday or pete cho or justin woodward cooking on my lawn um yeah. How do, we all been... get the, how do we all make that happen? We need to go out for <laughs> years making well, friends so they'll do that. I mean, I know those folks. I can't see, hey, would you come over and hang out and make my dinner for me? And I can't see yeah, that happening. It was the In the Weeds, uh, Burt Dinner, Burt Lawn Dinner Series or In the Weeds Dinner Series. It was, it was fun. Hopefully, we'll never have to do that again because. As fun as it was, it's not like eating at a restaurant. I felt bad for all these chefs because they really weren't doing anything at the time. So they came to my lawn to cook. Um, so next summer, they'll be too busy to do that. And uh, yeah. Well, that's be... One of the silver linings for you then was exactly that, that you could enjoy that experience too. Right. And yeah, Tommy Habits made me an, an incredible seafood lasagna with lobster and crab that was oh oh jeez god tommy can tommy can really cook pasta he's a master i mean karen brooks talked about his pastas at ripe back in the old days 2001 for sandwiches and pizza that's what he's known for but that he does great pasta too is pretty fantastic and that's uh I think that's a testament to uh, where I came from, Connecticut. You got a lot of people that can cook that kind of food. Right, right. Rick Giancarelli can do some pretty damn good Italian food, according to anyone, right? So Rick and Tommy, both from uh, southwestern Connecticut. 
But he learned from, but um, uh, Tommy learned from uh, Mario Batali, and before he, before Mario became infamous, he was famous, and right, he right. was one of the best Italian chefs. He was the best. He was one, you know, he was one of the best Italian chefs in the country with multi, with Michelin stars, at least a Michelin star at the Posto. Um, yes. Yeah, he survived? Not, to, not that I want to go into this at all, but right. Does Mario Batali su- survived the whole Me Too and the uh, the? He, as far as I know, he, he just seems to have disappeared, which is probably the smart thing to do because you know he just he deserves infamy. Um, I I haven't heard much about him. I don't know what he is or what he's doing, but his restaurants I think are still open. Right. All right. Well, that's enough of that. But um, but yeah, no, I'd love to try Tommy's pasta. Maybe there'll be. I don't know. Maybe he's going to do. Everybody's forced to do some new, interesting pop-ups this year. So who knows what's going to happen there? Um, okay. Yeah. Great. Um, I, ho- I hope the people um, go around town to eat some burgers, and I go to my burger crawl suggestions, and hope everyone has a good time. You know, part- partaking in a in a very solid burger city. Oh, that's good to know that that's where we are and coming out of this, even in the pandemic or coming out, there's some things to look forward to. So um, let's also discuss uh, another thing is that we have that's pretty cool is um, our pastry scene, our, our bakery scene as well. So let's go into that because you promised that last time that during the pandemic, that's been uh, helping you to survive, so to speak. Right, and uh, they're actually two of the finest new bakeries in town are basically right next to each other. So let's start with um, Vince Wynn and Berlou. He transitioned from a Vietnamese tasting menu at nights to doing Vietnamese pastries uh, Friday through Sunday. And I really enjoyed, especially two of his p- Vietnamese pastry, Bon Bo Nuong, which is a honeycomb cake that is um it's a pandan based pastry and it's very chewy it's it has the, the chew of like manju for those people who kind of know what what um manju is and he also does an egg custard tart uh which is quite delectable so those are my two favorite things at Baraloo. but vince also is doing on friday nights soups vietnamese soups which I had on Friday, Saturday night. Um, so yeah. So if anybody would like to, we had Vince on the podcast. Per your suggestion, that was number two hundred nine. And so just uh, search right at where on wherever you listen to podcast, search right at the fork two hundred nine, and you'll get that. And you don't have, you don't even have have to know how to spell win. So. Um, and, and, and I'll and um, like I said, his uh, the noodles are only on Friday nights right now, and you have to go on talk, T O C K, and reserve and pay for the soups ahead of time. And I think, not I think, right now the the soups the soup reservations drop on Monday, so they they tend to sell recently. They've been t- tending to sell out really fast. Like they're gone by by Friday. Like I mean, excuse me, by Monday. They're, he puts them up, and within a few hours, they're all gone. Well, Hopefully, that's that'll continue that, for, that's, for Vince. That, that's great to hear, too, because before all this the shit hit the fan here, he was doing very well with Berlue, and, you know, it takes a while right. to build a following. 
And so to hear that all of a sudden restaurants that were successful, that had invested a lot of time and sweat into uh, developing, um, you know, a following and a, and a successful restaurant, they've all had to, uh, we've used the word pivot too much, but they've all had to. And so it's good to hear that whatever his pivot has been, and it will probably continue to be, is uh, generating a lot of interest. And I'm sure and that's he, the case with many of these that you're mentioning. He also pivoted to something else. He, he just, start, he just uh, bought and purchased and created Socks, Berlou socks, and on, he only has one kind of Berlou socks that has the Bon Bol Nuang, which is my favorite pastry from Vince's place, on the socks. So I bought, I spent $20 for my socks on Friday, and I bought, I was, a, I was his first customer, so I bought a pair of socks to, for myself. That was my Christmas present to myself. I don't think I'll be getting myself anything else except for Berlou socks for this season. That's it. So, but I think a great gift idea because you get to enjoy his soup at the same time right. or any of his pastries. So, um, and it's a unique Portlandy food gift that will live on, right? Every time someone puts on the socks, they're going to think of whomever got it for them. I, I guess that. Yeah. Way. And a lot of restaurants obviously are doing the merchandise during the holiday season. So I hope the listeners will consider buying something from your favorite restaurant. Merchandise. Absolutely. Yeah. Outside of food. So, right. in addition to food. So. Hey, Chris, let's pause just a moment here in the podcast to talk about one of our favorite places to eat Ringside Steakhouse. Where, right now, of course, they had set up a wonderful outdoor dining situation. And now we can't dine indoors or outdoors. But what you can do uh, is enjoy takeout from Ringside. So, if you're in the mood for a hearty steak or even prime rib, they have three course steak dinners to go five nights a week, starting at only $38 per person. And, uh, you know, for ringside steaks, that's fantastic. So go to their website and see what that's all about. You can uh, uh, order to go uh, and you can find them on DoorDash and Caviar or directly there. Call for pickup uh, starting at 3.30 and pick it up until 7.30, starting um, at 5.03. 223-1513. That's 503-223-1513 at Ringside for a great pickup uh, opportunity for to eat wonderfully tonight or tomorrow night or the next night. Starting on Wednesday, they're open Wednesday through Sunday. That's right. The, the, those are the five days a week. And we should also point out that, uh, you know, you're talking about the things you can get on a regular day. They also have some really great holiday meal kits. So whether it be for Thanksgiving or Christmas or Hanukkah down the road, why not let Ringside Steakhouse be part of your holiday celebrations just in your own house instead of theirs? That's, that's great. The ser- well, we'll hope the service can be anywhere near as good as it is at Ringside at home, but I don't think so. But that's okay. It's only, they started only $38. Yeah. That's good. Yep. Also, one other thing you can do is, uh, of course, great holiday gift idea, uh, ringside gift cards. Those you can buy and those serve a few purposes. They're a great idea to give someone um, who will not be able to wait to go out to dinner after this is all said and done. Right. And also help support ringside who, um, you know, they've been going this through this for eight months. It can't have been easy. And uh, it uh, it's something you can do to support restaurants. Do that anywhere. 
But um, thank you again for Ringside for supporting this podcast for years now. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So if you want to find out all about the uh, to-go food, uh, head on over to ringsidesteakhouse.com. And uh, right across the street from Berlou is the bakery at Bar King from Pastry Wizard, uh, Catherine Benvenuti. And I've and, um, Bakery at Bar King has rocketed up at least my personal favorite bakery list in Portland, Oregon. It's, it's one of the best, if not the best, bakery in Portland. Wow, and one wouldn't expect other than in a city like Portland that some of the best bakery items are at a place coined with the name bar. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's not... and my, a couple of my favorite things from Catherine, and they've, they've been on the menu since the beginning, uh, is the gateau basque and the miso walnut sticky buns. So she does, she, she does cla- a lot of classic um, pastry items, but she does some unique twists to those items. So go enjoy the bakery at Barking, which is right across the street from Bearloo. So you get two bakeries on the same morning. Great. That's a, that's a good suggestion. And she also has hooked up with leather stores, correct? Correct. That's one of my other favorite places to go to, which I'll, I'll be returning again to Phil's Donuts in downtown Portland this week, probably, uh, for some more donuts. And she's in the, she and leather stores are in the old, uh, the original location of Blue Star Donuts, on, I think it's 12th and Southwest Washington. And they do about, I think, eight or nine distinct, you know, they offer eight or nine different donuts. And I've tried them all, I think. Well, no, I haven't tried, I haven't been there in about a month. So I know Leather has a couple of new savory donuts, which I'm intrigued to try because his pimento cheese donut rocked me. It was, it was, this is my favorite donut from Phil's. And I just love the idea of savory donuts. Yeah, and they're all, from what I can see, I have not tried them yet, but from what I can see, you know, Leather is uh, kind of known now. He's been on a TV show with Cannabis Cooking and did some of the original pop-ups in Portland uh, utilizing cannabis with food. And so when you see some of his creations, it is like, you know, back in the 80s when someone was getting really stoned and said, let's just do this. And, uh, and so, but to have a talented chef and a partner who's a pastry chef who can reel them in a little bit, uh, I don't know if that happens or not, but you would think that she would say, no, do this, or let's do it this way. Um, but that's really interesting and, uh, an interesting, uh, collaboration in the face of the pandemic too. These kind of things are things that can do pretty well in a pandemic because they are just items you pick up and take out. And they're not worrying about dine-in too much. So, and there's, yeah, you're exactly right. It's burgers, sandwiches, pizza, and things like donuts that right. would do well during a pandemic. Uh, another place that I believe opened up during the pandemic, uh, it's called Bushel and Peck. Uh, I think it had existed before the pandemic, but they, then the original owner sold it to Jess Smith, and she carried on with the Bushel and Peck brand but i think it's recently within the last week or two the, she's she's transitioning at least the name from bushel and peck to saint beatrix and it's on martin luther king 
And I don't what I haven't been there since the transition, or it still may be transitioning to St. Beatrix, but it's still a pastry shop. I don't know if the items will change. I went once during the pandemic, and it was a nice bakery. In and in a in a you know Martin Luther King, there aren't a lot of I don't think bakeries are Martin Luther King. So it was a nice uh, change of pace for that area. So what is, the deal, well. what is the deal with bakery shops and the moniker Saint? We've got Saint Honoré. We've got now we've got right. we had. Uh, we, we talked about St. Francis on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, that was pretty cool. And now we've got another one. So why, do you have any idea know. why they're all going? No. I guess we have to ask them. I, and they, yeah. then they'll all have their, uh, you know, their individual responses. They just happen to intersect at the word saint. So who knows? Is there a, is there a saint of donuts? Is there a saint of pastry? <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know. think I, so. I know in the... Um, in the case of Siobhan at St. Francis, it was a tribute to her grandfather. Okay. So nice. I don't think he was a saint from what I recall in the conversation. So no, I, I don't know what it is. You know, it's like the old thing a few years ago that the, the hipster naming of a restaurant is something and something. And all of a sudden we've got St. Everything for bake shops. But, it, but who knows? Just a thought and probably something that's not, doesn't matter and is irrelevant, but. It could be just uh, happenstance or coincidence. Exactly. That's what I, that you, you put it better than I did just a second ago. So. And guess what? I, I've actually, since the last time we recorded, I realized that I forgot to mention one savory place. And, I, and it's actually connected to another new place that opened, which I've gone to, which I've ordered from a few times. I don't, Doug Morello is a, gen, is a chef who worked in LA, moved up here to work with Kurt Huffman and the Chef Stable Group, and he opened, uh, during the pandemic, Demos a pizza. Is that how you pronounce it with the A in front of the pizza? Is it a pizza? It's a pizza. So it's like okay. A-P-E-E-T-S. That's how you pronounce it. A pizza. That. Oh, a pizza with a T. With, okay. No, okay. no, no, no. It's, it's like you, if you're saying it fast like they do in Connecticut or wherever, it's with a B. A beats. Oh, a beats. A beats. Yeah, a beats. A beats. Right. Yeah, Demos the Beats. They do pizzas, but this like week within the last week, I also ordered their Italian grinder, which is really good. So I've eaten a lot of sandwiches during the year too. So they do pizzas, and they do sandwiches, and I think they also have salads. But he also Doug also opened up um, a hot chicken takeout called Charlie's Hot Chicken, and I've had that like three times. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so you can get like Nashville hot chicken from Charlie's Hot Chicken from Doug Morello. But and I think he also opened up a third concept, but which I haven't tried. I, I'm not 100 percent sure about this because I haven't tried it. I think he opened like a salad concept that's takeout. I'm not 100 percent sure about that. I know he he did for a while. I'm I don't I don't I'm not I don't eat vegetables, so I I don't I wouldn't order from a salad concept. You don't eat vegetables. I love that. So is this, are these concepts something he's done with Kurt Huffman and Chef's Table or on his yeah. own? And yeah, they're through, they're through, I, I'm 90% sure they're through Chef's Table. Yeah, well, that's interesting. We did that, that reminds me we need to check in with Kurt because we haven't spoken with him since uh, like May, March, the end of March when this all started. And right. Panicked. So I'd like to, I'd love to check in with him. So yeah, and so this is one of the things that he's been, occupying himself with is something new and fresh 
which is good to build something new instead of uh, instead of sustaining something in the midst of a pandemic. So, um, and Doug's doing a really nice job. He's he's if, if that solid concept in, is in existence and is still up and running, which assumes that people are interested in it, then that's three concepts in one. But so pandemic. And let's just get back to this comment that you don't eat vegetables. So you if it's provided in a dish with other yeah. ingredients, you're not going to push them aside. You so, are correct. So but can, can, <laughs> you know, can I tell you that I I go to Albertson every day and I and I and I'll, I'll or I'll, I'll they have these prepackaged salads. So I'll go to that area, I'll pick one up. I'll bring it home. I'll look at the date. I'm trying to get the date that has the longest, like the furthest away, farthest away date. So I'll put right. it in my refrigerator and I'll look at it every day. And I'll look at the date. I'll put it back in the refrigerator. And then it'll be past that date. And then I'll just end up going out to my compost bin and throwing the salad into the compost bin. I, well, I, I, yeah, I've done that like multiple, I've done it like three or four times, maybe even more this, in the last like couple of months. I just throwing away salad. Yeah. I did eat one. I ate one. <laughs> I can't find good. I can't find good. And I didn't eat all of it. I can't find good salad dressing. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to purport to make suggestions to you, but um, yeah, someone's got to make some good dressings out there other than bottled. I mean, I, I have some that I like, but I'm not going to go through my refrigerator right now. Well, yeah. I just, I just, so. I just need some good salad dressing. Then I can make the salad palatable. Are you a creamy one, creamy guy or a vinegary guy? What do you like? Or I'll, You know what? I have a balsamic vinegar dressing in my refrigerator. I also have like a Thousand Island in my refrigerator. I'll use both on the same, you know, I'll use different, I won't put it together, but I'll, I'll, I'll use, you know, I'll eat half the salad with one, I'll eat the other half the salad with the other. So you just refuted yourself. You do eat vegetables. Well, I've eat, I've eaten I've I like bought the salad from Albertson four or five times and once one of the one of the times I did actually open it and eat some of it and then you know I I I've done it like once one out of five times so okay. I can't remember I mean I I don't know I just I just don't eat vegetables. All right, That's let me it. ask you: Can you hear the power washer <laughs> right now? Yeah, I can hear something in the background. All right. Well, but it's not pronounced. But it's, all it's right. Not well, let's pronounced. hope that let's hope it doesn't annoy listeners too much because otherwise, I would suggest let's waiting. But we never know when it's going to end. And I've heard it at other spots, um, as I mentioned in the um, in the intro to this podcast. We there's construction going on next door, and I can't avoid it unless we record these at night. And as you said, you'd be sleeping at night. So right. really hard to get a coherent podcast out of you when you're when your eyes are closed. So um, anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted you with that. And uh, so you were covering some savory spots in addition to um, some pastry spots. And I also, unless you have something else you wanna discuss there, we wanted to discuss the new project that you've been involved with as well. Oh, what new project? I wanna know. Oh, well, you were good. Well, here's the thing. When I see on Instagram that you're yeah. promoting oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, project, yeah, yeah. I assume yeah. you're involved with it. Be, you know, it may just be as a friend, but I don't know. Either yeah. way, people yeah. want to know yeah. what they're doing in the old Tasty and Alder space. You know what? I wish I could give you more of an update. They don't know when they're going to open. 
They literally right. don't know when they're going to open. And that, that's the update. Was, I thought I would know more by now, but I don't. Um, well, but yeah. someone may know nothing about it. This may be fresh news to somebody listening right now. So why don't you go over, you know, maybe even talk about those who don't know about Han Oak, and there are very few people, but um, just talk about what you, the subject you broached last time we spoke. Peter Cho and Sun Young Park co-own a restaurant called Han Oak, which is one of the most celebrated oh. restaurants in the last 10 years. In fact, Esquire named it one of the 40 most uh, important restaurants that opened in the last entire, de- that opened in the last decade in the United States, not just in Portland, Oregon, in the United States. So they bo- he and they and the restaurant have won numerous national awards. So they, during the pandemic, you know, sometimes spaces open up. And fortunately, or hopefully not, and hopefully not unfortunately for them, the Tasty and Alder space opened up in downtown Portland, and they they um, were able to nab that space, and they're going to turn it into a, a takeout spot called um, Toki. And, and the problem is because of the pandemic, it it will only be a takeout spot initially. And I, I thought we would know more by now. I thought I would know more by now, but we don't because everything's kind of still up in the air. Um, they're working on uh, making some changes to the interior of Tasty and Alder, and which is taking up a little bit more time. And then trying to open during Christmas season or holiday season can be uh, problematic too. So I think they're just going to wait a, just a little while before they reopen, but, you know, check their Instagram account, Hanok PDX or Toki PDX or my Instagram account, account Gary the Foodie, and um, hopefully we'll have an opening date sooner rather than later. It'd be nice if they opened up in January. Speaking of opening up, speaking of opening up, Gergi Gorday is opening his a pop-up call is going to be named after his restaurant, which he will open next year, called Con K A N N, and it's going to um, be a three. It's supposed to be a three-month pop-up, and uh, yeah, it's going to open in, in the next few weeks at the end of December. He's already taking reservations for December, I think. I yeah, went to his. Is. I went to his pop-up. I'm going to guess it was in September or October. I don't remember. You might know. He but was in. August? I think it might have been oh, August. August. Okay, well, I think. Good. I, I, think. I don't know. Time, time flies, but um, it was it was just as I as I imagined it. It wasn't surprising, but it was it was just wonderful. Every dish he served was fantastic. I brought some friends. Actually, I went with um, for those who watched Top Chef uh, the second round when Gregory was on it. The when he did the con pop up on Top Chef, his front of the house guy was Brian Malarkey, who is uh, the brother of my girlfriend's son-in-law. I got that correct. And so I took James Malarkey to that um, and he really, really enjoyed it. And it was kind of fun to enjoy that with, you know, a little Top Chef connection. Um, It was great. And um, Gregory is so talented and uh, he's been working on this for a long time and, you know, departure, he shined, of course, but this restaurant 
with his Haitian background is from his heart. It's what he wanted to build from the ground up. Um, Departure, he built, you know, a lot. He, he created a lot of that, but this is uh, after he's matured as a chef a bit, has a following, and um, and I don't think he's going to disappoint at all. So that's probably one of the most anticipated openings. Does, do you know if he, he plans that in 2021 or are we out to 2022 with that? Oh, kind of- I, I, I assume he'll open up his restaurant con in 2021. I, he, I don't think he has a space, but I'd be shocked if it w- went to 2022. And, and the, the pop-up, the three, three month pop-up that begins at the end of December is going to be a, a nice uh, preview of his restaurant. There'll be, Currently, there are three different tasting menus mm-hmm. that are offered during the three-month pop-up, uh, a, a plant-based vegan-type one, a pescatarian, and an omnivore menu. And uh, it's, you're asking, how can he open a pop-up during this pandemic with indoor dining not allowed? He created a, a village of yurts, U, Y-U-R-T, which I didn't even know what it was until you explained it to me. It's because you don't camp- go camping. You're not a camping no, I don't go guy. camping. Yeah, it's it's a tent. So right. each 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 uh, reservation is going to have their own tent. So, but let me—was that something he created? I, from the impression no. I got, that was being created around the country, and this was the part. You are correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is all of it's his responsibility. But there are other restaurants like Canlis in Seattle that are um, doing these special pop-up dinners. But he's okay. the only one from around the country that doesn't have his own restaurant currently. Okay. And do you know offhand, I don't know, I don't, you don't have to know, but I just went on the other day to make a reservation and it was for American Express customers only, which I thought so. I, I actually, um, that's not true anymore. You can go on Resi, R-E-S-Y, okay. and make a reservation. They, are, they aren't taking single diners right now, um, but yeah, you can make a reservation for two and I think up to four people, because I think the yurt can only hold four people. But I'm not sure about that. But I was on Resi today. I was, like, looking at um, January, January reservations. Okay, good. Well, I didn't know that. I went when I first saw Gregory make the announcement. And I, unfortunately, no longer have an American Express. I had it for years. Neither but do I. I. So no, I, I, could, I. I couldn't do it. And uh, But I certainly can generate two or four people, which leads me to the interesting segue. I wanted to bring it up and probably would have missed it had you not just mentioned this. But um, I just happened upon the Eater thing on Hulu uh, about dining alone. And and so um, I saw, you know, of course, Karen Brooks there. um, And I felt bad because I would have thought that if they were just featuring Karen out eating, they might have caught you in there with her, but no, she had, she had to do an episode where it was about dining alone, which I think is really cool. I used to do a lot of that. I've done it a lot. And, and the benefits are huge to, I'm not talking about eschewing somebody else you want to go with, but if you're dining alone, I've met some incredible people along the way and established um, relationships with chefs. That's kind of how I started Portland Food Adventures is because I didn't have anybody else to talk to other than the chef behind the counter. So, um, and things kind of went from there. So I really appreciate the idea of dining alone. The downside for me is I can't order as much. I can't try as many things. But um, but anyway, that was a very interesting segment with Karen and they had somebody up in Seattle 
And also in Oregon, it was cool to see Subtle Lodge Wheelman. on that. Oh, um, yeah. Because I was at Subtle Lodge before anybody really even knew about it, before, they, before the new owners. And uh, what a beautiful spot that is. And I hope sometime you get an opportunity to go out there, Gary. I, I, I love, don't get me wrong, I love Karen. No one's close to, I mean, like, she's one of my best friends, my, my best friend, my best friend. But, you know, no one eats more, no one eats out alone more than I do. Like, I, tra- I travel around the world and I eat alone, except for when I'm in Los <laughs> Angeles, when I eat with my friend Thomas. But, yeah. I mean, no, no one eats, no one knows more about eating alone than I do, solo dining. But yeah. Well, I agree. They could have had they could have easily had you on there, but my guess is Karen. I know, you know I know. She's got know, all her know, years of being it. a critic. And yeah, she, know. you know, she's got a way of putting things, which you do too, but she's got a certain way of putting things. And I yes. thought the same thing. I thought, man, Gary should have been doing this. And I even thought I could have done it too, as well, but I you know, I'm not as well. Certainly I, I'm not well known at all, and Karen is, and you are too, but um, but I thought it was an interesting approach rather than just doing another food show about Portland. And here's the four spots out of 2000 that were chosen by this person. It was interesting that it was about, you know, the process of dining alone. And I will say this, and it's no slight to anybody, but why is it? And the same thing happened in Seattle, like 80% of what they talk about is Asian food. And I have no problem with it, but I do think that it's favored. It's, it's, it's a favored thing with writers um, for whatever reason. And chefs, because it's great. But I also think it gets a high index of coverage versus other restaurants. What do you yeah, think? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so because I'm Asian. I don't, I don't think that <laughs> – I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 if you if – you, said that statement and you asked me, do I agree or disagree? I kind of, at this point, unless you show me the numbers, like go through every single show and we'll, like how many, I would disagree. Uh, I, I would, I'll, I'll just say I disagree. Okay. And I have nothing to back it up. I have nothing to back it up. You don't have nothing to actually prove me otherwise. Neither one of us do. You just well, wait a minute. You. The only, you can watch the show and 80% of what they cover are Asian spots. So, Real that, man, that's not Asian. Oh, no, I know, I know, and neither was subtle, subtle lodge. But that's not Asian. No, I know. I said neither was subtle lodge, but the, I just okay. All right, so then I can, hot, edit the, I can just edit this whole thing out if it doesn't. No, make no, it. no, 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 no. You just we just agree. To, we agree to disagree, and you're picking one segment. Have you, have you, you watched all? I, that's the only episode I really watched. I kind of watched the LA episode, sort of, but I don't think it was overly Asian, and that's LA. No, I, I started wrong. on somewhere. I, there was another episode somewhere else. I started. And I yeah, we don't know. Off, we, did, we, we didn't. We didn't watch the whole series, so we can't say that is it was more of Asian influence. That the coverage was Asian influence. We don't know. Like I, I only, like okay. I said, I only saw the 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 Pacific Northwest episode one, and I sort of kind of watched the L.A. and I don't. I, don't, I can't name one place that I remember from the L.A. episode. <laughs> you can tell how much I care. No offense to either. Love you. But you tell how much I really care because I really only watched one episode. Well, did you know them? Did you, were you aware of them? The L.A.? In L.A.? Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no. That's Which part is of it, interesting I because you know a lot and you've yeah. been to a lot and it's your favorite. You have, you have called yeah. it your favorite food city right now. Yeah, so, in America. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I felt, you know, I felt good that um, when Karen was doing Portland or all of Oregon, I felt like I, I, I knew all the places that were talked about right. fairly well. So at least I was able to, and you know, they're all incredible choices and they stand out as wonderful representatives of Portland dining. So there's no argument there. Um, but I, what I did found, find incredible, and I haven't been there for a while, um, was Real Amin, that she does everything, the bartending, the cooking, and pretty much the serving in a busy restaurant. How do you do that? Well, that's part of the thing is that when you go there, because there's one person doing everything, it's just not always her. Because I think they, they have shifts, obviously, because they're open. They, well, first of all, they're temporarily closed. Um, right. But is that it takes, you can take up to, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to get your chicken. Because there's, I think there's one or two fryers, and you can put one order in each fryer. So it can take a while. So you're there a, while, a long time. And, you know, and you that's just, all that's you, part, too, when you sit there. Before yeah, you sit down, you might it. have to say it's going to be an hour until you get chicken. Right. Yeah, that's part of going to reel them in. It, you know, most right. of us who go know that. I was just there like a six, six weeks ago. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was just there like six weeks ago before they closed up. So, yeah, well, I, I miss them. When I, I was watching I like that episode, I could literally taste it and feel the crunch in my mouth when uh, you looked at that chicken. I was, we did an event at Ava Jean's a few years ago, and Chef uh, Ethan Stoll from Seattle was down here, and we wanted to go out for something afterwards. And I took him to reel him in, and he could not be happier. It's so cool to take a pretty storied chef out. You take him to reel him in, and he's really, that's where he wants to be. So, uh, well, during Feast Portland, at very late at night, chefs would wander into Hano and say, "Where can we get? You know, where uh, where should we go?" And then Cho would say, "Well, go reel them in dive bar." Or they, a lot of them knew about it and said, "Oh, we're going to reel them in at you know whatever one o'clock in the morning." So yeah, I mean, like chefs from around the country know about reel them in. And are they? Do you know offhand? I've heard rumors that I don't know if someone said they're just closed now or they're closing. Do you know? And I don't want to start anything. I don't know. I mean, I, I saw the headline in one Eater piece last week that says, like, a love letter to Reel Him In. Or something. Right. Oh, it was from Sam Bacall. That's right. She wrote it. I just haven't read, didn't read it. So I don't know if they're closing temporarily or, like, they're closing, closing. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's so know. hard to tell nowadays because all these restaurants are – indicating that they're closing temporarily and they don't know, they don't know what's going to happen, how long this is going to last. So they don't know. So um, we're just hoping that they op reopen in some, in full fashion so that they can make their living again, as if it wasn't hard enough before. Right. Now they Crazy. have to weather all this stuff and, uh, and they're getting no, we're all, everybody, so many people are getting no relief. I hope that changes next year because to lose this industry how do you feel about it, man? Your whole your whole world revolves around restaurants. How are you feeling right now about? Um... Well, it's 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 just been. I mean, restaurants didn't ask for COVID, and their business is such where. It's it's a business that can't really function within. This, 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 this construct that COVID created, and it's just, I, I, I mean, like I said, LA has been decimated. 
far more than most cities, and it's crushing because some of my favorite L.A. restaurants have closed, and it makes me incredibly sad. I feel like, I mean, I was born and raised in Portland, but I really feel a deep affinity for Los Angeles. I'm just, I know I'm focusing on Los Angeles. Yeah, it's happening in Portland. It's happening everywhere, and it's, and it's crushing. I mean, I went to Lume in Milan. I think Lume's closed, and I love Lume. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, it, it, we'll see what happens. January 5th is when the Georgia's, the two G- Georgia senatorial races will be decided. And that's going to, that could tip the balance of power in the Senate. And the Democrats could control the Senate. And that'll be very different than if the Republicans control the Senate. So then you yeah. have, you have three, the, the Democrats controlling all, all forms of uh, power, the House, the Senate, and the presidency versus yeah. two out of the three. So January 5th, we'll see. Yes, that's important. But I have also pointed out, I feel that at least we're in that position where it's just the Senate. Uh, if, if we had, if we have after November 3rd, had another four years of what we had, then you kiss it all goodbye. So, oh, yeah. 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 It would have been, yeah. It would have been, there was no, there'd be no doubt that the restaurant industry would be, would have suffered even more significantly than they have thus far. Trump just doesn't really care. He doesn't care. Well, I mean, he only cares about fast food from what we can see and and his personal chef feeding him what he can. But as far as restaurants are concerned, he wouldn't know one, except if it was was in his building. So that's all that would matter. So, and besides, it wouldn't matter. He wouldn't care. We'll just get the next guy. So um, anyway, well... Uh, Gary, anything else that we're missing that you might? Oh, I wanted to ask you a question, and it's putting you on the spot because normally I would have written you a little note, and we can either cut this out or okay. Or just say, what is because every you're a little bit of a mystery to people. I mean, the first question right? that people ask when I'm talking about you is, "What does he do? How does he do this?" That's not what I'm going to ask you to um, answer, but I just wanted to ask you. Is there something you can share about you personally that most either nobody or most everyone wouldn't know? A little secret about Gary the Foodie. It could be what your secret. Well, you know, you, you can't surprise us with I really have a thing for Cheetos. That's not going to do it. But is there something in your life, even in your past, that nobody would know that would be interesting? I I'm not an interesting human being. I wish I could. I mean, do you want to know, know what's in my fanny pack? I mean, like, I honest to God, I don't I don't know what. There's nothing really interesting about me. I eat a <laughs> lot. I, I eat a lot. We already I did the lot. fanny pack. Well, that's not a secret. But we already did the fanny pack a few oh, yeah, years ago on your first I episode. I thought you forget has about it, that. Has it changed? No, no, no. It's still I the same ask, stuff in there. Yeah, I got asked that like last week by someone. Someone sent me a DM asking me what was in my fanny pack. So, so in other words, I was on my game the first time we had you on the show, yeah. and I led with what's in that fanny pack because we were we were face to face then. Um, so uh, I'm trying to look up what episode that was. So, so we can answer it then, or you can even re-answer it now to save people that, the trouble. That's right. No, mind. nothing of interest. Nothing, no, no, nothing of interest. Believe me. It's, it's episode 55. Oh, no, 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 no. That's his favorite San Francisco area restaurants. I don't think that was it. So, yeah, no, it I was liked 16. It. 16. 
How about I really, I really, really love sports. I don't know if that, that's not very interesting. And that's, I don't know, pe- people probably wouldn't know that I would like, I really, really love sports. That's a perfect answer. And so tell us who your teams are. Um, I love the Atlanta Braves in baseball because I kind of grew up watching them on um, TBS. Yeah. And uh, Portland Trailblazers in basketball. The god-awful... Manchester United team in soccer. I want Pochettino. Get rid of Solskjaer. Um, <laughs> I, I, in football, I don't really have a team. I just like seeing the Dallas Cowboys lose. And they suck this year, but the whole NFC East sucks. So they're actually, as bad as the Dallas Cowboys are, the only two games back, this, uh, the Washington team that doesn't have a name. Which the Cleveland uh, team is about to do the same in baseball. It's going to be Cleveland. Yeah, the, the Indians. Yeah, they're getting rid of the Indians. Um, so I love they, the Col- – Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I love the Colorado Avalanche in NHL. Very in, nice. In so, you know, it's interesting about sports. I was – I grew up in, you know, the New York area. So, as a kid in the late 60s, uh, I just – sports was everything. The Jets, the Mets, the Rangers, the Knicks. I knew everything about everything. And I noticed last night, since I'm really not watching – commercial television much anymore and I happened to watch 60 minutes where they had an update on the NFL I wouldn't I didn't know the Jets this was everything to me in my childhood I didn't even know the Jets were 0-13 I can't name one player there they want the the goal is to the reason they haven't fired the head coach Adam Gase is because they need to lose all 16 games because there's a franchise quarterback named Trevor Lawrence who plays for Clemson Who's, who's rated about a 99 on a scale from 99 out of 100. The last person who was ranked 90, 99 was Andrew Luck from Stanford about 15 years ago. Wow. And, yeah, everyone wants the, the fight for Trevor Lawrence. So it's like the Jets have to – the goal is to lose every game because I think uh, – uh, I forgot who has one loss. There's a team that – uh, I saw Mitch, that too. Carolina one, has – Carolina has one, one loss. Yeah, so Carolina has one throwing, loss. Are they throwing games? Is it obvious? Well, last week, um, <laughs> there was a lo- one second left. Uh, David Carr from Las Vegas goes back to pass. And um, the defensive head coach, Greg Williams, sent in a cover zero blitz, which is basically sending everyone to attack David Carr. That left a rookie cornerback against the fastest wide receiver in the NFL, one-on-one on the left side. And Henry Ruggs caught like a last-second 50-yard touchdown to beat the Jets. They were saying, oh, Greg Williams threw it. The Jets threw the game. Greg Williams got fired two days later. Like, he got fired last week. And did, I mean, did they throw it? I don't think so. The fact that they got as close as they did to Las Vegas was a testament to the fact they weren't throwing it. But, I mean, they stunk it up yesterday against the Seahawks, which is what they need to do. So are they throwing it? No, they're not throwing it because these are professional football players and they're trying to win. They just suck so bad. That's why you don't change the coach now because they could win a game or two. You right. just have to hope that Adam Gase does what he's good at, losing games. Over 16. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has, better be good. Have we had – I don't know offhand. Has there been an 0-16 season in the NFL for – Oh, yeah. Cleveland, Cleveland Browns were 0-16. That was the year – in the draft, that was the year they drafted – after they went 0-16, they drafted Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma. Who in their eight and three now? You know your shit. There's no doubt about it. I didn't have to go very far to have you prove how – much of a sports fan you are you know it and there's no sports station the interesting thing is you have to seek that information out when i lived in new york there's wfan and there's other radio stations 
24-7 sports talk. You don't have that here. Oh, Chris, you have no like I know who the best uh, high school senior is this year. His name's Chet Holmgren. He's seven foot one, about one eighty five. He he's uh, he lives in Minnesota and um, he's a unicorn. He's incredibly skilled. He's seven foot one, one eighty five. He's how white. Are one, he, how are you one eighty five? I'm not one eighty five, and I'm he's so skinny. And he he's he's dominant defensively. He could carry, he can he could um he handles the ball well for a seven foot one center. He he blocks shots. He's a good player. Imoni Bates, the, who's the best junior in uh, high school basketball, they call him the most uh, the best prospect since LeBron James came out. I saw Chet versus Imoni a couple weeks ago on TV. They played against each other um, in a tournament, and Imoni looked good. Chet Holmgren looked better. But yeah, I mean, I, that's how far I go. I could talk about the number one high school football player or, you know, high school junior, like who has the best recruiting class this year. It's Alabama. They're, you know, number one. Oregon's number three in the nation as far as um, recruiting classes coming in next year for college football. See, I know sports. sports so what do you think? You're doing a lot of reading because it's not available on, on television or, or broadcast. No, the, the, Holmgren, the Holmgren-Bates game was on TV on um, – ESPNU. Oh, okay. Was, yeah, so I watched the game. It was, it was, uh, so yeah. what's the group? What is the, uh, best? Well, I, there's two parts to this question then. What's the most famous sporting event you've ever been to? Because there aren't any here. And, right. Well, for back, and secondly, what is the best game you've ever been to? See, I don't, I don't normally go to games. I don't, I like, I prefer to watch sporting events on TV since I do think the viewing experience is better. I'll tell you the most, because I don't go to a lot of games, I'll tell you (laughs) what the best and the worst and the most infamous game I've ever been to, which might, which was the last football game I ever went to, which was 1984. It was the infamous zero, zero tie in Autzen stadium in football, Oregon, Oregon State, Civil War, 1984. I think it was 1984. 0-0 tie. Wow. And who was this the good before, team back then? Who was there, was there a dominant Oregon team in those days? Oregon sucked. Oregon and Oregon State were awful back in the 80s. They were awful. They right. sucked. And now they're, they have, I mean, they're doing well in both basketball and football. Great recruiting class in football. Great recruiting class in basketball. Oh in the, in yeah, the we freshman. know that. But these are these are different times. But um, oh, yeah, yeah. But no, uh, no. Recent, no. Th- to be honest, they haven't done well recruiting. Not, not on the national level. Not like Alabama. Alabama um, just kills recruiting every year. That's one reason they num- tend to be number one or close to number one every single year. And their and their basketball team very rarely gets a five star recruit. And they have, I think, a couple of five stars coming in next year. So yeah, they, they, for for some reason they're just killing the recruiting um, in both football and basketball over the last year, year and a half. Good so for Dana I'm chomping at the bit just to mention a couple of my big ones because it was a big part of my life. I was at Game Five of the '69 World Series, which is going to Mets age. versus Orioles. Mets, Orioles, the the game that the where they won it, you know, went from the worst to the best, um, and probably the most famous, second most famous game in. Baseball history, as time goes on, 86 becomes a bit, looms bigger. 
Um, but 69 was so big because the Mets were just the laughing stock of baseball up until 1969 when they won it all. So um, I was there. I, I decided to go to that game instead of my sixth grade student council election, which I lost because I didn't go to the election day. I went to the baseball game instead which is a great memory. And then also that year, we didn't get to the Super Bowl, but we got to, I, we had season tickets to the Jets. So 68, December, late December 68, the NF, or AFL, the last AFL championship game, the Jets against the Raiders with Daryl LaMonica and Joe Namath and all those guys. Um, and the Jets. The Mad Bomber. Daryl LaMonica was called the Mad Bomber. Yeah, the Mad Bomber. And he was, I'm trying to think of the receiver that he threw to who was well known. Warren Wells? No, was it Warren well, Wells. Was, yeah, Warren Wells, but there was a, another guy uh, who's well known, and I can't think of it right now. Well, that, well, Oakland later on had Cliff Branch and Freddie Blitnikoff, that, who were the two uh, main, and Dave Casper was the tight end. I think it was Blitnikoff. I think it was, and he was there then, Blitnikoff then. So, he had uh, stick him on his hands. He was he was a possession guy. He'd run well, a lot know of that. And the Jets were Don Maynard and George Sauer, Jr. Yeah, George Sauer Jr. And Pete Lamons was the tight end. So I knew those guys. Look, look. This is how many years later? Sixty uh, or 50, 50 years later. I knew them, but I can't name one player now, which is pretty amusing. Well, here's uh, the deal. You should be very happy with Steve Cohen buying the Mets because oh. they're going to be. Very, very good. I'm very happy with that. And baseball is the only thing left. That's what I was going to say. I, I couldn't name a Ranger player. I could maybe name a couple of Knicks players. But, but baseball is all I got left when I used to watch everything, you know, every single game and every statistic. But I still love my Mets. And I really love being able to be a baseball fan on the West Coast because the game started at 4 o'clock. They're over at 7 they don't run into one o'clock in the morning sometimes. And uh, uh, I, I like being a Mets fan on the West Coast. It's great with the packages they have now. If I'd lived here 40 years ago, I wouldn't be able to see them. But just but, know that they have one of the best offensive offenses last year in Major League Baseball, top two or three offensive team last year. They have Jacob deGrom, who won yeah. two of the last three Cy Young Awards. Steve Cohen has the money. There's a, there's a pitcher named Trevor Bauer who's on the market. He's won the Cy Young for um, Cincinnati this year, who may probably, if I were betting, I think he goes to the New York Mets. You have Bauer and DeGrom, Steve right. Motts. You know, you have Marcus Stroman coming back. I think the yeah. Mets could be good. They will challenge my Atlanta Braves. So you should be very happy because I think the Mets will be I good. am. The only, the, that's the only news you could impart to me in sports that wouldn't be news to me. I know pretty much all I need to know about the Mets. I've been... I follow them. So I'm looking forward to it. However, I've also learned in my age and in my wisdom not to get too tied up into it. So I, I have a philosophy that when they do suck, at least they're giving me back uh, as much as I'd love to be watching September and October baseball. They give me my beautiful Oregon September and October's where I don't have to be in front of the TV watching it. So that's the upside to them sucking. 
One last take. This is my hot take. My hot take for the day. The Portland Trailblazers finished with a number one seed in the Western Conference. ESPN is, uh, ESPN's Kevin Pelton is picking them ninth based on his algorithms, running algorithms over and over again to see where each team will win, how many games each will win. He has the Trailblazers ninth in the West. I have the Trailblazers number one seed in the Western Conference. Take it. But they, they have no chance of beating the Lakers. The only reason the Lakers aren't number one seed because they don't care because LeBron's going to rest part of the season, as will Anthony Davis. So, Portland Trailblazers, number one seed in the Western Conference because of their depth. When do, when do the playoffs start, the NBA playoffs? Playoffs won't, won't begin probably until um, May or June. It's a 72-game season versus an 82-game season. The well, regular that's, season and that's later than usual, right? Usually it's... Yeah, because... Yeah, because we're starting the season later than normal, and we're cutting 10 games out of the season right. from 82 to 72. The first game will be December 22nd, where I think the Lakers play the Clippers. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, then Christmas Day we'll have four games. So I hope everyone gets to go watch some basketball on TV, because that's where I will be on Christmas Day, in front of my TV, watching all the, all the basketball games. So then we'll have you back in May or June, whenever it is, to either – uh, take the eat praise cold. or eat a little shit. Yeah. So, well, uh, it's a hot take. That's what, you know, who thinks the Blazers are going to be the number one seed in the West? No one. Except but, me. You, but we have to have you back because it's easy just to say that and let it go. So there right. needs to be some, at least, we're not going to have financial accountability. We're not going to make a bet, but at least to discuss it again. Just to, so and they'll be like 10th. They'll be 10th or 11th in the West. They'll have to eat <laughs> Only because you said that. That's it. That's the reason. So, um, okay. Anyway, Gary, you've given us so much to go on. There is no podcast that we ever have where people can leave with as much useful information as those uh, that you appear on. So we really appreciate it. And uh, let's keep this up next year to some degree, you know, quarterly. I don't think monthly, but, you know, every once in a while, if you're getting out there. That would Thank be you. great, and we assume okay. you will. So I hope you uh, and Renee have a happy holiday. And Thank you. Be safe. I'll be Thanks. safe. And we're move. I'm moving in a week, so uh, we're going to have a new place to celebrate Christmas. And awesome. uh, looking forward to that. Uh, I made sort of lemon lemonade out of lemons, and uh, I'm really happy. So the dogs are going to be on the coast for at least another year or two, and That's we awesome. take it year we take it year by year. So um, anyway. Thanks. And someday we got to get you out here. I'm trying to figure uh, out how to do yeah, that. Good luck. Yeah. Come on. It's we'll not see. that much of a stretch. It's your okay. state. It's the Oregon coast. What could be so bad about it? How about, how about we figure out how, I know this would work. The uh, pop-up that, that Jacob and, um, oh God. Yeah. What? Jacob Hearth. Jacob yes. Hearth is doing that. Never, never shellfish pop-up. Right. Yeah, never uh, shellfish. We went two weeks ago, or low, it was a little over a week ago, actually. It was great. It was worth going. It just can't be too cold because you're eating in the parking lot. So, Oh, yeah. So, well, yeah, but, I mean, any, any, anything is going to have to be post-vaccine. So, yeah, yeah. kind of crazy. But it was, it, was, it was really good. We had bar barnacles. When's the last time you ate barnacles? Ooh, might have been at Rizzo. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> they, well, I don't know. They, hey, yeah. 
They're real good. So, like five years ago, when I first moved out here, there was a piece of driftwood that came in, and it was it was gigantic. It must have been seventy feet long, completely covered with barnacles. And I put a picture up on Facebook saying, "Anybody know what these are?" And everybody was telling me, "I, if I harvest was able to harvest all of them and sell them, I'd be set for a couple of years." But but I didn't even know what they were at the time. And uh, they're delicious and really fun. A lot of people get turned off when they see pictures of them because it just looks strange to people who are not open-minded with food. But, oh, my God, they were great. And their oysters were truly fantastic. Their rockfish soup was all good. It was fun to have them out here. You know, Maylene used to do her pop-up out here. And that was actually where Renee and I had our first uh, I, ca- I can't call it a date. It was, uh, but anyway, it was really nice and very memorable and it was in the middle of the summer. So um, it's worth coming out for that. Maybe we can get you out for that somehow, somewhere. Okay. Well, we'll see. I mean, like you said, the weather just sucks right now. Yeah. So it, doesn't su- it doesn't suck right now in Portland, Oregon, but it sucks just in general uh, during this time of year. Yeah, no, it's, and it's just, it's not so bad, but it's just eating outside when it's, 45 degrees is not optimum put it that way so oh, yeah i know i'm gonna give it a shot probably la- later this week so yeah i'm sure i'm sure you will so i'm gonna be in there wednesday for a little bit where should i go well you've already mentioned enough i'll pick one from the podcast okay yeah i'll be there wednesday and maybe thursday so i'll grab grab a little something i think i'll hit phil's donuts no that's not where i should go I should go, I should try something a little more healthy. I got to find something healthy. Yeah, you know, since you're here, just screw the healthy thing. Just eat what you want. Really? <laughs> no, really. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. I've said, but by the way, it's not like I haven't said that 98 percent of the time in my life to myself. So, um, <laughs> all right, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Have a good Happy holiday, Gary. Yeah, I didn't wish you one back, but I certainly hope you're. Uh, your holiday is great. Are you cooking for yourself or are you going to be ordering from somewhere? I ordered smoked turkey from Bark City Barbecue. Nice. That's, that's what I'll be eating and I'll make my own rice, have some gravy out of a can. Boom. Good. That's my dinner. Good choice. I think we're going to be ordering from Zupans again because that's a really nice way to go with the prime rib and all the sides. And it's really nice to just heat it up. Right. So, especially Enjoy since your we're... Di- Enjoy Christmas dinner. Thank you, Chris. All right. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. You enjoy it, too. Bye. See ya. Bye. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right